everybody, and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, we're talking with Phil Sloves of SpongeBob SquarePants and what it was like to go on for a multitude of roles in his very first week. And get this, he got this Broadway job in an open equity chorus call audition. But before we hear about that, if you haven't listened to the introductory episode, please take a second to do that now. All right, places for top of show. Phil Sloves is an actor, singer, dancer, most recently seen on Broadway in SpongeBob SquarePants, where he was a swing for four roles. And yes, he did go on. His off-Broadway and regional credits are many, and when he's not performing, Phil is the founder of Actor Reboot, a one-stop shop for musical theater auditions. Hey, Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. So can we just start off with a very, very brief description of where you're from and how you found yourself in SpongeBob SquarePants in the first place? Yeah, um, so I am from uh, New Jersey, so very close to the city. I've always been in and out, seeing Broadway shows. And I went to Montclair State University uh, to get my BFA in musical theater there. And then I sort of just ran the uh, the non-ec ensemble train for a while and found myself getting closer and closer to that equity card. <laughs> and then... Uh, you know, after I got my card, I saw there was a ECC for SpongeBob and uh, I showed up and and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> awesome. So let's pause there for one second for our listeners who maybe don't understand what equity and non-equity means. Could you explain that to us? Yeah. So Actors Equity Association, it's the union for actors, stage actors, stage managers um, on Broadway and in regional theater shows um, and national tours and all that. And it's sort of just provides protection uh, in the workplace, whereas non-union jobs don't really have any protections. Uh, they try to sometimes abide by some of the union rules, but uh, you know, it's a little easier to to swindle performers in the non-union yeah. world. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, we are very appreciative of the union. Hats off, yes. applause, applause. And so for your audition for SpongeBob, was it an open equity call? For SpongeBob, it was an ECC, uh, equity course call. And truly uh, just a required call from what I thought. And I just showed up and I sang uh, 32 bars of Lost in the Wilderness. And about an hour later, uh, my agent uh, messaged me and was like, hey, you have a call back. Here's 32 pages of material Wow! by Thursday. And it was uh, Monday. So I had a few days to learn all that. Mm -hmm, which is not a lot of time. And we have talked on other episodes of the podcast a little bit about this, about how often you get so many songs and scenes to try to turn around very quickly, which is not easy. And so then what happened? Was this your first big Broadway audition? Uh, yeah, it was. It was my first big Broadway audition. Uh, so I went home. I learned all the stuff. Uh, I'm a pretty quick study, thankfully. So it wasn't too intense in that sense. Um, and I showed up uh, and I did the all the packets, all the sides. So it was Mr. Krabs. It was Patrick. It was an ensemble packet. And I I did all of that. And they said, thank you so much. We'll hear you'll hear from us later on if we move forward. Later that day, I got an email saying there's a dance call the next day. So mm. Yeah, there was like nine of us at the audition the day before. So I assumed that would be the same nine of us at the dance call. But it was truly just three of us the next day at the dance call. And out of the three of us, I was the only one who was a dancer. So I sort of started feeling a little bit more confident, like if they are looking for a swing to cover the dance in the ensemble as well, you know, it, it seems like it might be going my way. 
Uh, and then the next day we had the final callbacks where I did the same audition packet just for the entire creative team. And uh, something happened that has never happened before and has yet to happen again since uh, I finished uh, singing Patrick's audition song and I got a standing ovation from the uh, oh my God. panel, which was Bill. very weird. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't expect it, but uh, congratulations. Yeah, that was cool. These were for an ensemble role and to cover some of the, the leads in the show. What roles did you cover? Yes. Yeah, so I was uh, a swing. So I covered Old Man Jenkins and Perch Perkins in the ensemble. And then I covered the principal roles of uh, Patrick Starr and Mr. Krabs. Amazing. And I know that you went on and that your first week was crazy. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was nuts. So I joined the company July 1st in my rehearsals and I had a month of rehearsals. So by the time July 31st rolled around, it was my first day signing in. That was a Tuesday and I didn't go on or anything. I just sat back and relaxed. And then August 1st, I woke up to a phone call from my stage manager saying that I would be playing Mr. Krabs for two shows. Um, so I warmed up, I got to the theater because I mean, I haven't, I never wore the costume before. I never did it on stage really with lights or anything. Yes. Um, and I had a bunch of family and friends who were able to run out since I do live so close, like my family's so close. that So a lot of them came to the evening show, the afternoon show. I had friends who were accidentally there, which is funny. Oh, how um, fortuitous. Yeah, right. Uh, so I got my first one out of the way. Uh, and then my family was able to see uh, my second performance that night. Let me just ask you, what was the difference between going on for that very first time in the afternoon and then having that evening performance? The first time was honestly like, I kind of blacked out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I felt very ready. I felt very rehearsed. Um, and I was nervous, obviously, but I felt ready to go. And the first thing that happens in the Mr. Krabs track is, you know, he walks out on stage and a, a, a narrator just says my character's name and then a spotlight shoots right in my face. And the spotlights on Broadway are much more intense than any spotlights that I've ever experienced. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally fell back a little bit because it felt like I got punched in the face with light. <laughs> um, and sort of from that moment on, I just did what I knew I had to do, but like, I don't remember much. You just left your body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then the evening show, I, I really uh, was able to sort of remember all the moments and soak it all in and sort of put my take on the role into it because my I mean I think my first performance was probably a carbon copy of Brian Ray Norris who plays Mr. Krabs solely because I was like go to your muscle memory because you're you don't know where you are right now yeah your adrenaline is pumping so hard yeah. when you get that call for sure yeah so yeah that was the, that's the big difference between the first and the second performance but then the next day we were rehearsing um Old Man Jenkins one of the tracks that I covered um and my stage manager got a call saying hey Phil you're going to be Mr. Krabs again. I'm like, okay, cool. We did it last night. Awesome. Let's keep doing the old man Jenkins rehearsal. And then five minutes later, she got a call from Danny Skinner, who was like, Hey, I can't do the show tonight who played Patrick. And then she turns to me and she goes, Phil, Danny just called out. We're going to try and get someone in to cover the role. Cause I think they were worried because, you know, I had just made my Broadway debut yesterday in a different track and I am just taking over for someone who left the show. So they called him to see if he was in town to come in and sort of see if he just remembered the role and would hop into it. Uh, but he was in Baltimore visiting family. So oh my she gosh. turned to me and she goes, 
All right, you're Patrick tonight. Let's switch this rehearsal over to a Patrick brush up. And... Okay, wait a minute. Pause. So the day before you had gone on as this character twice, you mm-hmm. are really tired, I'm assuming, from that adrenaline the day before. You're in rehearsal the very next day for a different character that you cover. And mid-rehearsal, they come to tell you that you're going on again. And this time for a third character that you hadn't really rehearsed, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're uh, up to speed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then from there, uh, after the Patrick rehearsal, again, my family, since they're so close, they were able to rush into the city again, which was very cool. Um, and for some reason with Patrick, I was not as nervous as I was for Mr. Krabs. I think it's because I always felt, I felt more connected with Patrick as the, like a character. Mm-hmm. And I remember every moment I it was it was probably the best night that I've had on stage, like in my life. Everyone was so supportive. I felt like I hit every every beat, every joke, hit every note. You know, it was it was awesome. <laughs> I had a great time. Congratulations. Um, that is you. awesome. And then I went home that night and was tired, obviously. And then yes. yes. The next day, another phone call. Hey, Phil, you're Mr. Krabs tonight. Oh, oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So I uh, was like, all right, let's do it. I know what I'm doing. I get back to the theater that night and I'm in the wig room uh, getting my wig on right before the show starts. And uh, Penny, our company manager, runs over to me with this really nice bottle of champagne. And she goes, here you go. And I was like, what is this? This does not happen. I know this is your first time, but this does not happen. Thank you for being a trooper. And I was like. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm just I'm doing my job, but thank you for the champagne. I love that. Um, oh, yay, Penny. Oh, round yeah. of applause. That's so yeah. nice when the crew is like that with you and so supportive. It makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And I mean, the company, like everyone in the company was over the moon, especially because a lot of them had made their Broadway debuts with SpongeBob. They never had a chance to watch someone else do it. Yeah. So a lot of them were saying it was really cool to like be able to watch me do that. And I mean, what is going through your mind at this point? Like, what are you thinking the rest of the run is going to be like? Like, where are you after a week of that craziness? Well, I knew that the run was limited because when I joined the company, uh, we got closing notice right after my first week of rehearsal. So I knew that September Uh, 16th. (laughs) Wait, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of ups and downs with my uh, debut. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Let's dig into that. A closing notice right after you opened. Can you just speak to that? What happened? Yeah. So uh, July 1st, I joined the company for rehearsals. And then I believe it was July 8th. uh, I left the show uh, because when you're rehearsing, you see the show every night. Um, But this was like the Sunday of my first full week and I was tired. So they said, after this specific line in the second act is when the swings can go home every night. So once that line went, I was like, you know what? I've seen it a bunch. I'm super tired. I still live in New Jersey. So I'm going to head over and get the earlier train. Uh, and while I was getting that earlier train, apparently after the show, the company was collected downstairs and uh, was told that we'd be closing September 16th. So I woke up to a very uh, strange email telling me that the show that I had just started rehearsing for is closing soon Uh, and yeah it was uh strange emotionally I bet it was I mean not to you know drill down the point because shows close for all different kinds of reasons do you know the reason in this case uh yeah they wanted to renovate the palace theater and they are doing it thankfully I'm glad they're doing it and not just making excuses to kick us out okay so renovation wow 
dude, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I was like sad for myself for like a day. And then I was like, you're still on Broadway. You're still yeah. rehearsing. You're still doing this. So might as well do the damn thing. So yeah. Heck yeah. So I did. Uh, because if I stayed in that down place, I don't think it, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would have enjoyed my experience as much as I did. Wow. What a crazy, crazy story. I mean, that is wild. Of course, you know, shows close for all different kinds of reasons, but wow, to get that notice basically right as you're opening, that just must have left your mind in a whirlwind. Yeah. A, a friend of mine, uh, mentioned, like I, I, I messaged her and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And she goes, Phil, this is the most fancy regional gig you'll ever do. Enjoy it. <laughs> oh, that's great advice. That is yeah. great advice. Was this your first time understudying a show? No, I've done a lot of understudying just throughout my career. I did because I used to be uh, a lot. A lot of times people would cast me as a dancer and understudy lead roles. And I never went on for a lot of the time. Like in my younger career, it was mostly either I had a role or I understudied a role and I didn't go on until I was doing South Pacific, actually, at the Fireside Theater in Wisconsin. And I was understudying uh, Luther Billis and the guy playing Billis actually played Mr. Krabs in the Chicago run of Get and, out. yeah and then he actually left to go play Thin and Guys and Dolls somewhere so there were still two weeks of the run where I got bumped up to Billis for two weeks and I'm very grateful for that because it sort of prepared me for that world of stepping into a show that I already know but in a different track and navigating two basically two blockings in my head so I knew where one person needed to be and I knew where I needed to be at that moment. Yeah. Talk to us about just the how, right? Like when you're covering so many roles, can you tell us what your process is like, especially, and maybe how that changed or was different from maybe that time to the Broadway time, just in terms of how you keep these characters straight? What's your process? Yeah. For, for South Pacific, it was honestly fairly easy because my character that I was playing Stew Pot before, um, all, all my scenes were with Luther Billis anyway. So instinctually I just knew his blocking and his lines because they all informed what I did as my character uh and then in terms of like stuff that he did when I wasn't on stage it was very easy at that theater to just watch the show nightly mm -hmm. because it was in the round and you know you could just stand in the way back of one of the sections and watch that was a great place to learn how to do that and then in terms of like covering the multiple roles because I'd never done that before what I was doing in Spongebob I took it one role at a time and I would watch the show and take in-depth notes in different in the same script but I would have little markers that I would draw to say this is a note for Mr. Krabs this is a note for Patrick Starr this is a note for Old Man Jenkins this is a note for Perks Perkins for like blocking or just like a moment that you have to have and do it taking it one role at a time and writing it all out in depth like that was helpful and then having a set of index cards separately for each each character for each moment they have so mm. that like so when I was about to go on for Patrick I had my index cards and I went through all of them to make sure I knew my entrances my exits uh any important things like props I needed to bring on and off and then I would leave that with my water bottle backstage so that when I ran off I was like okay next is okay great got it let's go Yes, we had an awesome guest um, in one of our different episodes, which hopefully the listeners out there will definitely get to hear. Rachel Leslie talks about, I, I won't give it away, but like her process in terms of those little cheat sheets that sometimes you need when your mm -hmm. adrenaline is out of control and you're out there 
you need to remember who am I? What am I? Where am I yep. going right now? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, some of our swings, like Julianne Godfrey, she was our dance captain and covered all the female ensemble roles. Wow. And she, I don't know how her brain did it. Honestly, she knows that show Inside Out has this gigantic Bible of the show that she created. And it's like, she could sell that to anyone who's doing the show right now for millions <laughs> of dollars. It's like, it's like the most- <laughs> it's not a- bad idea. (laughs) It's the most in-depth thing I've ever seen in my life. And she was very helpful in terms of like making sure I knew what I was doing and giving me tips and tricks on how to separate things. That is so amazing because the workload is immense. I mean, you were covering four roles and I take it this lady was covering perhaps a lot more. I think she had like 10 or 11 tracks she was covering. Oof. Oof, that is so much. And you guys were probably, I'm going to guess what, paid scale, right? Yeah, we were um, paid scale plus a little bump for being swings. And if we went on for principles, uh, we had like an eighth of our paycheck added for each performance. Right, right. So this is just amazing. I don't think a lot of people out there realize just the workload involved in terms of being a swing or a cover or an understudy, because these days I would say more often based on my experience and the folks that I've talked to, it's pretty rare to only cover one role. I mean, at the end of the day, you're usually covering many, many people and that can be so intense. Yeah. And it's a, it's a skill that I think a lot more people have than they realize because like in my head, something that I used to justify that I could do it was like, Every time you're in a show, you know where you have to be and where everyone else has to be because you you can sense when someone's off. So it's sort of instinctual in all of our brains. Like we know what everyone's doing, but it's just a matter of paying closer attention. And that sort of eased my anxieties of like, how am I going to remember all of this? Yeah, that makes total sense. And what did your family have to say about all of this? I mean, Montclair, New Jersey, it's like you said, right across the river, not far away. They were able to see you in all of this madness. What were yeah. they thinking? I mean, they were over the moon. They were so excited. Um, my Nana was able to come, my brother, my sister-in-law, my cousin, my parents, obviously, um, I had my uncle there. I had friends from high school, friends from college. So many people were able to come through, especially because I got to go on for Mr. Krabs actually a total of seven times throughout my my stint there. A lot of people were able to come through, even though a lot of it was like last last minute notice. That's so amazing. And it's so rare because, yeah, for those of us that have family all over the country, when you get that last minute call that suddenly you're on, unfortunately, you know, that's part of the job. You don't really get a lot of notice to tell people, hey, I'm on Broadway tonight. (laughs) You know, please come see me. Please come support me. This is awesome. And if you're lucky, you know, that happens and sometimes you can get people there. Um, But more often than not, you can't. So I'm so happy that friends and family were able to come out and see you and support you more than once. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't think I did a show without someone in the audience for me. Oh, that must have felt good to feel that support. Yeah, like even my last performance, actually, uh, uh, the guy who played Mr. Krabs, Brian, uh, he got stuck on the train. It wasn't even like a matter of sickness or anything, Like his train literally was stuck. And at half hour, he wasn't there. So they were like, Phil, get ready. <laughs> You're going on, I guess. So that was I didn't know that was my last performance, but it was. And uh, there was uh, this older gentleman I did. I did a uh, community theater with growing up. And he just messaged me, hey, I got tickets for uh, this state. And I was like, I mean, I can't promise you I'll be on by any means, but like, I'll see you, obviously. I'll come say hi. He goes, you'll be on. Don't worry. And I was like, okay. All right, all right, Jim. (laughs) You know something I don't know, but literally. And then it was one of those, like, it was so last minute that they didn't have time to print out a slip or anything. So right before the show started, uh, one of our castmates went out 
and typically she had like a little fun little pre-show announcement and then she also added oh by the way mr Krabs is played by phil sloves the audience found out literally a second before the show started that they were seeing uh, an understudy yeah and my buddy out there was like knew it <laughs> wow yeah. yeah because normally equity rules state that we do the printout right there's a something in your program that will say mm-hmm. you know the role of such and such is now being played by so and so so they were able to come out and do it announcement style which is which is awesome how do you feel about those announcements just as an actor as an understudy i thought it was pretty cool honestly to like have my name shouted out at a broadway show i feel like maybe that should be done a little bit more often honestly like the, the slip is cool though I like having a little slip of paper to remember those times, but I kind of like also the the grand gesture of announcing it. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. It feels good that someone's saying your name and actually feels like you're being appreciated and they're giving you a boost for, you know, the performance that you're about to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so were, was there a time that you went on where anything crazy happened? Like you were not in the right place. You forgot a wig change. Like something almost went wrong. Was there anything like that that happened either to you or maybe another cover? Um, When I was playing Patrick, I um, had this very strange moment in my head. It wasn't like necessarily something that the audience would notice, but I was, it was almost like a, like a holy, holy crap. Can I, can I curse? <laughs> you can curse right, so I was, I was, we're all friends sh- here yeah like like holy shit like i did the opening i was fine i wasn't nervous i was doing everything i was going through and then there was just this moment where it's me and ethan slater who played spongebob standing center stage and just talking you know having a conversation before one of our duets and i snapped out of patrick and i snapped into phil real quick and i looked out at the audience I looked at Ethan and in my head, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm on Broadway, I'm on Broadway, I'm doing this, this is crazy, what the heck's going on? And then Ethan, I think he saw me sort of snap into that like anxiety brain of like, what do I do? Here I am, what's going on? And he uh, just like nudged me and was like, keep going. that's that's what came to my mind when you asked me that yeah no for sure and I love how I love how the actors and the crew can often do that right they can often nudge us or with a word put us in the right place the right time or say put that prop down and you're you're fine go over there you know yeah makes such a a huge difference and I mean everyone would literally because it was such an ensemble heavy show there were moments where we're all in like a tight formation to dance. And there were people like, I would just say, touch me. And they would just grab my shoulders and push me where I needed to be for mm-hmm. certain moments. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, it was a very shove with love energy in that ensemble. And I just love how suddenly here you are on Broadway playing multiple roles. And this all came to you through an open equity chorus call. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Can you just talk to maybe the young ones out there who are going to these calls and thinking it's hopeless or, you know, what, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in that way? Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm a huge auditioner. I love auditioning. That's sort of why I started my company actor reboot, uh, because I love like the art of auditioning. Um, And I say, attend any audition that you think you have even 2% of a right you're right for, you know, because A, you never know what they're actually looking for in this moment. And I mean, B, showing up is great for just working that audition muscle and keeping it, keeping it strong. And then also it's important to, you know, create relationships with people who are behind the table and you do that by showing up. And even if it's not the right project for you right now, they might be casting something next week and they're like, 
oh yeah, I saw Phil the other day. He wasn't right for this, but he might be, he might be good for this. Hope he comes in. So there's, there's a lot of, there's more benefit than not to going to all the auditions you can. For sure. I mean, you never, you never know what can happen. And I love what you said about, you don't know what they're looking for necessarily. You'll never know unless you show up and building those relationships are really important and exercising that muscle, right? Yeah. That's very important to me to uh, make sure that, you know, you are performance ready for an audition. You know, I like, especially throughout the pandemic is sort of difficult to, to do that because obviously there's not a lot of opportunity. Uh, but, you know, now I'm working with people to sort of step back into that confidence that, you know, we, we once had of, you know, doing seven auditions in a week and, you know, running around and having that, that stability and having that, uh, that muscle as strong as you can so that when you do go in to an audition, you know that you're giving your best every time. Amazing. Phil, you have been such a sweet, lovely guest today. I'm so happy that we got to have this conversation before I let you go. Um, we do have some wonderful behind the scenes content that I like to give our listeners that go to the website and subscribe via Patreon. The website is www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com. And for those of our listeners who want to support theater and support us and support this podcast, you have some awesome bootleg videos. Can you tell us what they have access to if they subscribe? Yeah, I have two videos. One is uh, me singing Daddy Knows Best as Mr. Krabs with uh, another swing, actually, Alyssa Short, who is currently in Tina swinging in that show. She was playing Pearl that night. And that was actually her Pearl debut. Uh, so it was a lot of swing action on that night. And uh, uh, our dance captain got a video of it. And then I have a video, some of footage from BFF, which is a, a duet with Patrick and SpongeBob. And actually one of our producers like snuck a video of it. And at our closing night party, uh, he came up to me and was like, hey, what's your phone number? I was like, why? <laughs> Are you asking me out? Yeah. I was like, why? And he was like, I have something to text you. And I was like, okay. And he sent me the video and I was like, oh, whoa, no way. Thank you so much. That, that's crazy. That um, is crazy to be able to have actual video of yourself on stage, because as we know, you know, no filming is really allowed. So this is very much on the down low, everybody. Yeah. Keep it on, keep it on the hush hush. But this yes, is really, please. really exciting that our listeners are going to have access to that. So yeah. thank you so much for that, Phil. Of course. We wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey guys, Amanda here. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and unlock some of that awesome behind-the-scenes content. Thanks.